Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And we are doing one of our very rare video episodes. In fact, this is a Christmas episode for 2018. Our guest today is physical medium Scott Milligan. Scott and I became friends about three years ago when I visited him for the first time at Banyan Retreat in the UK. And one of the reasons I want to bring him on the show right now is that I am somebody who has experienced grief in my life. My parents got divorced at a young age when I was 14. I have lived most of my life without any Christmas magic. In fact, hating the holidays, every time I'd hear a Christmas carol on, I actually got upset. I now have the Christmas magic, and I wouldn't have it if it wasn't for this man, his spirit team, his friends at Banyan Retreat, and together we want to bring that feeling to you now and in the future. So Scott Milligan, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you. Uh, Miss America, and thank you for once again having me on your show, which is starting to become a phenomenal uh, machine uh, in the sense of it's being well run, doing its duty, and touching whoever who's who can come on to the internet who may have had the experience of someone passing from this world to a world we call unseen. You're right, at Christmas time grief really does kind of grip our throats and really takes hold because Christmas is about a celebration of bringing people together and bringing people who love one another. And when grief comes and takes that person away, they're not physically there to unwrap the presents. They're not physically there to join you at the the dining room table or wish each other or kiss each other or so on and so forth. So Christmas is a very painful time for anyone if you're a medium or you just we call them muggles non-mediumistic folk um who are experiencing it so you know this christmas could be someone's first christmas of having someone not at that table and when my father um left us um and i say left us because i don't want to say he was taken because um, that, that kind of it takes the empowerment away. But when, when he left us, having the first of everything, you know, the first anniversary, the first Christmas, the first birthday, the first of everything was so, so painful. And over the, the next year and the year after, it doesn't go away, but you learn not to wound yourself with that thought anymore. Yeah, it, it gets you. Uh, yes, it's painful, um, but... You, you kind of start to laugh about the happy times instead of being remembering that's an empty chair. That's, a, that's an, 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 another present under the tree, what's not there anymore. So, yeah, special time. I'm sorry to start on such a low, um, but I think it's important that we, we look at this and that people this year are going into that experience. And we are all part of the club. We never wanted to join up. You know, we never wow. wanted to be a member of this club. But unfortunately, it's death true. came, and um, we're now part of a, a club where, you know, we don't die. I got it, too. I got my yeah. bracelet. Yeah. And you had it tattooed on you. God bless you for doing that. We're going to be connected for a long time. That's it. And that, that's why, you know, I got a tattoo, because the tattoo is here for my physical life. And I so believe in what you are doing, um, but 
you know, let's, let's get it marked. <laughs> Scott, I love you. And between us, I know that our employment now is in the afterlife world, but the foundation to all of that is helping the grieving. I tell you, if I, I knew so much about the afterlife and did so much research and kept my mouth shut for five years until my dad left us. And that's when I decided to be straight and be forward with everyone about what I know, because it does help. And for those who are grieving right now, obviously our condolences with you. I know our loved ones are not lost, that they're right by our side, but we can't physically touch them and hold them, but they're with us. So we want to give you a little magic today and talk about who Scott is, some of his experiences, and share some of mine, um, and, and go from there. So Scott, my dear, some people, believe it or not, don't, may not know who you are. <laughs> and they may not know me either because we're on YouTube as well as iTunes right now. But would you, you want to describe who you are and how you got into this world of physical mediumship, what physical mediumship is? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm sorry if those who are coming on here for, for the, another time and they've had this story before. Um, but I think it's important that we tell people um, that um, I'm just normal. I'm normal like you and I. Um, I came from a very loving family, um, a very close family who had no religious beliefs. But it's funny when our backs against the walls, we pray to God. And uh, when we've had too much to drink and we're feeling sick, uh, we say, <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. Um, so that's the only time I kind of actually thought about a religion. But for myself, uh, I was having experiences when I was younger, when I was able to see my grandmother, my mother's uh, mother. Uh, when I was younger, uh, but she looked as solid as you and I. She spoke to me as clearly as I'm hearing you. Um, I would feel her physical touch. Um, she used to tickle me at night in bed and grab my feet and pull me down the bed. And then as I try and coot you back up the bed, they, she used to tickle me and I could feel her fingers in my ribs. And that was a very special time. And probably my parents thought I was a little bit strange. My dad always said um, when he came up the stairs, um, I like complete darkness to sleep. I'm really, really bad. If there's a chink of light, I can't sleep. And when my room was in total darkness, he would hear singing. And he said, you know, I remember occasionally he would say on the land, who's singing? And um, obviously it went quiet when he entered the room. Um, but it was a female who was singing. Um, but what physical mediumship is, is that it's different to mental mediumship, even though it's got the same um, results, which is healing a person. Um, but mental mediumship is where someone stands upon a platform or sits in front of you like I'm doing now, and they start to make a conscious link to those who you love and those who you know in a world we call unseen, and through their senses, bring that person back to life. With myself, I sit there and I go very, very tired. I close my eyes. I'm normally tied to a chair to stop me moving. Um, which sounds really peculiar, um, but I get tied down because I feel it's most important that it's not me who's walking around the room moving myself, it's a loved one. So through my senses, as I fall asleep, it causes my, my body to be simulated and all of a sudden a energy that's produced from me is known as ectoplasm, which sounds a bit strange, but it is a, um, a living force and um, we call it the life force of, of the who that person is. 
and it can exude from any part of my body. So it's from the eyes, ears, nose, mouth, from the gland systems, through the palms of the skin, through the solar plexus, and also through the toilet area. It comes out in a vapor form as gas, but as soon as it hits the air, it becomes solid. And when it becomes solid, the loved one from the spirit world can step into it, and they become solid like you and I temporarily. And then they are able to recreate their voice as best they can. They can go over and talk to the loved one, remember uh, evidence all the way, like do you remember that squeaky cupboard door that I was trying to fix but never got the opportunity to fix? Or I, I remember hiding the money in the uh, hot water bottle, you know, and you filling it up with boiling water and me screaming at you. That all lovely bits of information that's being given to reassure the person who's getting the communication that this is mum and dad, this is my son, this is my daughter, my brother, my sister, etc. And whilst we're in this um, sleep state that I'm in, um, everyone else is singing, creating a power for the loved ones to come back and phenomena to take place. So in a nutshell, I'm just a normal person, but I have a defect within my brain that allows my body to be used in such a way. And the reason I call it a defect is because uh, when someone said you were gifted, um, it went to my head. And I have a voice of my, my love in the other world, Eric, he said to me, do you think you're special? And I said, yes, of course. You know, you know, we're able to do such a thing. And he said, you are defected. You have a defect of the brain that allows us to move close to you. Um, so for me, it keeps me firmly upon the ground knowing that I have something different within my brain that allows me to work in such a way. But so, I'm, I'm human. <laughs> you are. I, I just want to back up just a little bit. I, I love the defect. <laughs> um, and it makes you even more lovable. The, the thing for me, this is just talking to our viewer or listener right now, is <clears throat> three years ago when I first heard about physical mediumship, my brain went to no way, impossible, can't be. Things happen in the dark certainly got to be fraudulent. I didn't like the word ectoplasm because it just reminded me of the movie Ghostbusters. And in my journey, I realized that through a conversation, we cannot, wouldn't even try to convince you of anything. And not only that, is I started getting this courage to start sharing. The word seance means meeting ectoplasm, I found out how I was so afraid to talk about, um, even speak it, you know, to think something like that could be real. Because I think of this green slimy stuff from Ghostbusters. I found out that Dan Aykroyd, who wrote and starred in the movie Ghostbusters, comes from a line of mediums, spiritualists, and his great-grandfather and grandfather participated in these seances. In fact, I'm going to just show a little book here called A History of Ghosts, The True Story of Seances, Mediums, Ghosts, and Ghostbusters, written by Peter Aykroyd, who's Dan Aykroyd's father. When the, great, the grandfather died, they found a chest filled with uh, journals from the seances, the people who had rematerialized. And young Dan Aykroyd got very familiar with this word ectoplasm, and he used it in the movie. So it gave me the courage to share this and just to say, you know, here we are living in 2018 when we're recording this. There's a lot of things that we cannot explain that are very, very real. We can't see the wireless internet around us. 
GPS signals, radio waves, and they are very real. Our loved ones live in the hereafter. We can't see them. Their energy is very real. And if this is the first time you're seeing this or listening about this, be open because it, it took a while for me to go from believing to knowing. But I tell you, you sit one time in a darkened space with a group of people that you know and you love and you trust. And for me, my first experience with physical mediumship, it was around a Christmas tree with a whole bunch of presents that got unwrapped at the same time by spirit children. And you could just hear the sound of all these presents being unwrapped and things being played with at once. And even though it was in the dark, some things had glow in the dark tape on them. So you could see things moving around, all being played with at the same time. And I tell you what, that's what started opening up this Christmas magic again. Yeah, absolutely. Scott, back to you. No, but the, this is it. And listen to that. It's, it does. There's people who say seances aren't real. And I say to them, you know, have they sat? You know, have you sat in one of a, a, what we call a true seance? Not these, these ones which are silly voices or um, people putting on faces or anything like that. It's something which is very beautiful and very, very real. And it has been studied. You know, Sir William Crooks um, studied Florence Cook with the materialization of Katie King. You had David Fontana, uh, Montague King. Um, these people are uh, logical, rational people who come into the environment, but they come in and respect the environment and say, look, I'm not here to test you. I'm here to understand. I'm here to see if there's something beyond this, this experience that we're having. Um, excuse the noise. I think Darren's making a coffee. Um, but, <laughs> you know, you, you've, got to, you've got to realize that the, these, this thing is a natural form of phenomena. And I don't think in, in for one moment it can be put in a laboratory. I think it's something that we're going to have to just accept. Time will reveal it. And I think that's the only way. You know, if we don't know it now, when we die, we definitely will. So I always say to people who say they are skeptic and they're saying to me to prove it, I say, you know, I prove nothing. I just sit and I hope that the power moves with me and hopefully that the spirit world can then prove it, not me. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about the dark? I remember you saying something like you have done experiments with some light on and there was ectoplasm and things, yeah. but the spirit world couldn't bring through the loved ones and, and why, why it's important for you to sit in the dark. And not that that can't change with the spirit world in the future experimenting, but a little bit about that. Yeah. It's, it's, if, if you can look at it, when I went public, which I, I went public fully in 2011 and it's 2018 now. So it's been seven years, but when I first started to, to step out into the greater world, that physical mediumship was dying. It was absolutely, it was on the ropes. And it was that decision of, I'll be the caretaker and I'll take it out there. So I came out of the safety of my home circle, maybe a little bit too soon. Um, so if it was, if it's seen seven years now, then that means that I've been sitting publicly for over... 13, you know, 13 years in my development. And in my development, we were producing 
um, phenomena in light. So you will see in the ectoplasm, you can see it moving, you can see it breathing. And at the Arthur Finley College, which is the AFC or Stansted Hall in, in Essex in the United Kingdom, but I was asked to go as a demonstrator and do test seances, which I did. And every time we did a test seance, the, the people who were testing me, who were mediums, were saying, okay, in the next one, could we have it in lights? Can we, you know, next one, could we have it with um, an apple or so on and so forth? And it wasn't necessarily being satisfied with the demonstration. So when I did demonstrate at the Arthur College, there was an, uh, an opportunity when Tanya Smith, who was the general manager of the college, was asked to open the door. And she opened the library door and kept it open for a short period of time. So natural light came in and they saw what was described afterwards as like a column of, of white going down my, my front, going across the floor up to three meters away. And it looked like it was a hand at the end of it doing this like it walking. Um, and then the door was closed. But we were noticing more and more, we were getting more phenomena and trumpets were lifting and it was, a, it was a wonderful thing to have the phenomena. And this lady came up to me afterwards and said, I've been with you three times now and you know this isn't bringing my son back. And it made me then consider what route should we go down? Should we go down the route of the light which was showing the trumpet lifting and the phenomena? Or do we go down the route where there's intelligence of showing the life beyond life? You know, again, as a grief got hold of me, if someone said to come and sit in the sounds and you get to see, you know, objects move, or you can sit in the dark and you'll hear your father's voice, which is the one that's going to bring you healing? The trumpets of a voice. And it made me consider actually what we need to do is work on trying to prove the, the continuity of life and hopefully blow away that fog of grief that smothers us. Yes. Uh, and Scott, this is not something that, even though you say you're <laughs> defected, um, it's taken a long time of sitting yeah. in the stillness and the darkness with the home circle. Can you just talk about your development just a bit? and? Um, Maybe even how you got into sitting. Well, the story goes, which is just on one of your episodes, was it about the telephone call that I got from a lovely lady called Brenda Sheridan, who uh, sat in a physical sense, my details were given. And bearing in mind that I was a very young person, I, I come from a very strong family who uh, says things as a as it comes. We don't sugarcoat our words or anything like that. And those who know me know that I like to swear a lot. Um, when I'm working like this, I don't swear. But um, I won some money. Uh, it wasn't much, but it was a lot for my age. And I thought it was a con, and I thought people wanted to take my um, wealth and basically ruin whatever I have and abuse what I have. And I got this call, and this lady said there was a physical seance, and my details were given. I thought she was crazy, so I put down the phone. She phoned back, and she said, I'm sorry, we got cut off, I must insist. And something inside me ignited a, a flame of curiosity, and it kept on eating away at me that I needed to pay attention. So, of course, I went and paid attention to this, and uh, went along to see John Austin, who 
was a lovely old man, a uh, lovely tash beard, um, who said, oh, you're Scott Milligan, you, you know, you're getting this, this, and this, and this, and this. And I said, yes, how did you know? He said, my wife told me. And cut a long, very long story, very, very much shorter. But going into a physical seance with the man that he trained, which was Colin Fry, and having that moment of terrifying fear melt away by a hand of love, this tiny warm hand, which was a child's hand, shaking my hand, gripping my hand, and it was so real. Everyone in the room heard it. You heard the footsteps walking up. So it wasn't clairaudience. It wasn't clairvoyance. It was a physical experience. And touching that hand and him kicking my feet moved me to a place of, of believing to knowing. And um, I then went back to John and I said, I, I, I want to see it. I want to experience it more. And he formed a circle. And on my first sitting, um, I was tied to a chair um, and a curtain was drawn across here from me, so it excluded me from everyone else. The circle started to sing and I was just sitting there with my eyes open. I was kind of looking around and Pat Cold shouted out, you know, is there anyone there? And you heard on the, the woods next to me. And I, was, I couldn't have moved. I couldn't have banged my head against it. I couldn't, but it made me jump. And then on the 11th sitting, again, I was sitting there and I thought, what I'll do is I'll close my eyes this time. So I closed my eyes and I was just thinking about things. And someone says, um, you know, talking, and they went to ask a question. And then you heard a voice go up in the air, talking. And that voice came and then we had nothing, absolutely nothing. But see, still each week we sat for my development. Now, between sitting each week on a Wednesday, I sat every night then in a physical seance with Colin, with David, with Stuart Alexander, with Joan Averson, and just sitting to experience the potential, which sometimes is a really good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing, especially from someone who's 16. You know, you're seeing it and you become impatient and you want it more and more and more. And on about two and a half years into the development, I thought I'm going to give it up because nothing's happening. I'm wasting that time with people, as all of us do, you know, who are sitting for development. And the moment I surrendered, I heard a voice as loud in me going, yes. And it went, yes, yes, yes. And it was getting louder. And it was going from my pit of my stomach up. And it felt like it was in front of me. And I couldn't walk around it or go above it or below it. It was just in my face. And I thought, I'm going to say this word, yes. And as I went to say the word yes, it came out, yes. And I was thinking, no, I'm trying to say yes. And it goes, yes, no, yes. I'm trying to say yes, and it's coming out wrong. It's coming out like gravelly, like I've, I've biting my lip. And the moment like the third yes happened, this voice came out and said, now I come and speak to my brothers and sisters of the joining of our world and yours. And it was out my mouth before anything. And John called me back and I was like, John, why are you stopping this? We've waited for this. And he said, you can have too much of a good thing. And then from that, it rapidly started to increase. The phenomena, the trumpets started to move. We had a wooden ball on the floor that would go up in the air and it would be put behind me and all the way around. We had a, a situation where 
we were asked um, to count to 10. And every time we hit 10, we put the light on, count to 10. And when we hit 10 again, turn the light off. So it's 10, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, light on, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, light off, and so on and so forth. And you, the, the circle saw my chair being moved in light. So bear in mind, I'm tied. So now it's been moved into the middle of the room and it started to then tip in light. And I was rolling over the sofa with the chair and it went upside down and the back of it was against the wall. So my head's down here, my feet are up in the air and the chair started to slide up the wall. And John shouted out, said, for God's sake, don't break his neck. And as he said that, the chair then literally tipped backwards and landed up you know, the right way and then rotated backwards back towards the cabinet in light. So every 10 seconds, you saw 10 seconds of the phenomena. And John then was very strict with my, my, my controls and said, you do this phenomena, but you do it only in the confinements of this. We need to take them as deep as possible so nothing goes wrong. Let's see where we go. And the first real evidence that was given out in the voice box was Leslie Flint. And Leslie um, knew John Austin, and the voice formed and said, hello, lovey. Now, Leslie, you know, you would expect Leslie to go, hi, John, hi, this, hi, that. He called it lovey. And there was a gentleman in there called Nick McGlynn, who also knew Leslie Flynn. And um, he spoke to John saying, do you remember Hyde Park when you brought me the wrong fags? which is cigarettes. And John said, yes, that's correct. And then straight away, another voice came and said, daddy. And John goes, hello. And Nick was like, yes. And he said, I wouldn't let daddy have all the fun. And daddy was the nickname of Leslie from his partner, Bram Rogers. So Leslie was, was uh, Bram's partner, but Bram used to call Leslie daddy. And because Nick knew Bram and knew that Bram would never call Leslie Leslie, it was Daddy, Nick said, I know who you are. And Bram said, do you remember the curtains I made for the room? And he said, yes, I do. The hemline of the curtain wasn't level, so it was always crooked. And they, that, again, this is a bit of evidence. And he said, I've got Marie here. And Marie was Nick McGlynn's wife, who I never met. And he said, what have you been doing with Marie then? He said, I've been painting her toenails. And Marie and Bram used to sit and Bram used to paint her toenails. So that for me was this moment of breakthrough that something was, was happening. Something, this isn't in my mind anymore because this is out of my mind. And it gave John the confidence that I was developing in the right way. Scott, so, can I ask just quickly, you're now tied up and you're telling the story um but at the moment these things were happening your eyes were shut and your consciousness was out of it is that correct absolutely i okay. was in a very heavy daydream now in those days i wasn't like unconscious but i was in a very heavy subdued daydream and the daydream everyone sounded like you couldn't hear everyone's voice so i was in a very weird the only way I can describe it, you know when you've had too much to drink and you're so tired and everyone's talking to you and you're just in that state where you, you're kind of listening but not listening, that was the state I was in. 
But if you ask me to remember it, I couldn't fully remember all of it. Right. So you're being used by your spirit controls to have this happen. So that's just a little bit of a difference between physical mediumship and and other kinds. And I did, I'm just getting this gnawing at me that I want to hear you tell your story about your sister that you met. And this is just opening up some of this magic. Um, One of your earlier times sitting at someone else's seance, just being a participant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It was near Christmas time, funny enough, but um, I I was in uh, Colin Fry's circle and uh, I was sitting there and I had a crushed velvet suit on because we were always told that you have to look your best whenever you go to a demonstration. And if you come to England, when you go to the, the traditional demonstrations where you've got the old time traditional spiritualists, you see everyone in the audience with a tie, they'll be in their best dress, the hair will be done. And I always said to John, why? Why do we have to do this? And he said, if you're going to meet your loved one, you've got to look your best. If this is a party that you're going to to see your you know, relatives, you always look your best. So me being me, thought it would be fantastic to wear a black crushed velvet suit. I don't know what I was thinking, but I thought it was lovely. Um, looking back on it, it was a horror film because it was just awful. And I had a very deep purple shirt on. And it was a Christmas, come around to the Christmas time, and this kid came out of the cabinet, first of all, and said, my mummy used to make curtains out of this. So I thought, you cheeky, cheeky little so-and-so. Uh, this little kid's going, mummy used to make curtains out of this and stroking the fabric. And, I thought, and then out the uh, cabinet came another voice saying, it's you, it's you, it's you. And we're all like, hello? He said, it's you, it's you, it's you. And then all of a sudden you heard these little tiny footsteps running towards, which appeared to be for, to me, and said, it's you, it's you, it's you. And in those days, we didn't have to hold hands. We just had our hands in our laps. And I would always put my hands like this on my knees. So if the spirit people wanted to, to shake my hand, it was no fuss. And this tiny hand grabbed my arm and pulled me forward. And as I was pulled forward, these arms went round my neck. And because my hands were down, I felt this young girl, she was about four years old. She was in a um, petticoat dress. Uh, Her hair was tied back into like a plait at the back. And you could feel it. You could feel all, all the detail of this person. And I said, hello, you know, as you do. And she goes, it's you, it's you, it's you. Um, I said, yes, you know, who are you? And she said, I'm your sister. I'm the one that didn't make it. And I was like, what? (laughs) You know, what the hell? I said, no, I've got Heidi, I've got Natalie. And she said, no, no, I'm Emma. And I was like, no, I'm sorry, no, no. Um, And again, cut a long story short, leaving that seance, and going home and kind of challenging this thought and finding out, yes, I did have a sister. She passed before I was born, um, which then confused me um, because she was only a few days old. And I, I kind of went back to challenge the spirit people again. And I went back into the seance room and um, Magnus materialized and was walking out. And I said to Magnus, First of all, I must apologize for my behavior. I didn't know. I said, but what confuses me that if my sister was only a small baby, why was she walking out as a four-year-old 
And if she died before I was born, she'd be much older than me. And these were the questions I was, I was challenging Magnus with. And Magnus very simply came back and said, within our world, children grow. And they're not imprisoned by time. They don't get old and fragile and, and shrink and become wrinkly. But they, they grow, they go to school, they experience the richness of life. They experience everything that a child would have experienced in this world besides exhaustion and getting hurt. So if they fall over, they just bounce and get back up and carry on running, um, which I find is beautiful. And Magnus said, would you like to speak to your sister if she would have lived? And I said, yes. And out came this young woman who absolutely tore me to pieces, saying, you little brother, you don't talk to me like that. Blah, 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 blah. And it was a, a magical moment that reaffirmed everything. And now, if someone says the spirit world isn't real, that's their problem, not mine. I know that my family, the people that I love, live on after death. And one day I'll meet them. I have no fear of death. I fear the process of death. Yeah, I think we all do. And I believe, and I think you've mentioned this too, um, that your sister is now with your dad and she's got some time with him, which she didn't have before. Yeah. Um, I was in a very bad place, uh, after my dad had died and I fell out with the spirit world because I wanted to know why didn't the spirit world tell me. And now looking back beyond that craziness, I saw warning signs in the sense of the last Christmas we were together. I kept on staring at dad and I couldn't work out why. And I was taking in details. I just experienced in his presence. And then, um on the morning of the attack i saw his mother and his mother had been gone for a year and my 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 grandmother and i said what are you doing here and she she wouldn't talk to me she was very flustered and i kind of i didn't take anything on there and obviously my, my dad passed and um i was feeling very very upset and sorry and a voice came to me and said, we had had dad for these 30 years or 30 plus years, and now it's time for Emma to have him. And Emma would look after him until we were reunited. And I, that kind of gave me that bit of oxygen, that bit of, <gasps> instead of having grief punch me in the stomach and take my breath away, I was able to breathe because I love my sister, I love my father, and now they're together. And they've got a little bit of their time. Now, in the spirit world, there is no time. So our separation to them is only as quick as that. But to us, it takes so long. You know, these poor people who may be listening, who had their parents pass when they were only five or six years old, and they're now in their 60s. And they may not be able to remember their father's voice or their mother's voice or what it was to smell, smell their perfume. You know, when you get over there, oh, my God, it's just going to be it's going to be a riot. It's going to be a massive party. Um, And something was said to me just recently. The spirit world said the difference between your world and ours in your world, people leave you in our world. People join you. That's beautiful. 
Scott, right now we have many of our listeners and viewers. And if you're just listening to this on iTunes, thank you for being here. But if you click on over to YouTube, this is actually a video episode. And you can see both Scott Milligan's Christmas tree in the background and mine as well. But we do have many grieving parents here whose children have left them uh, too soon. And could you share any hmm, thoughts on maybe how they can cope with Christmas knowing or have that belief and still talk to their kids. And then also maybe some of the Christmas magic you've witnessed with some of the spirit children because children and spirits still get to play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like when we did the Christmas tree behind me, I sent a thought to all the, all like the, the, the spirit world. And I said, whoever wants to come in and just cause a riot, come in and, you know, when we do Christmas trees, it's like a family event. Um, so it's like, oh, we, we, you know, we sit there and we do it. Now, this is the tree of myself and Darren. And my mum's tree was decorated by myself and my two um, niece and nephew. And each time I send a thought to the spirit people and say, come on, you know, bring the children. Let's have a party and all of this. And those who are learning to stand again when uh, their son or daughter has migrated let's let's change from leaving us to migration mm-hmm. because when you migrate you can always phone home and um let people know or skype and let people know that you're okay like for a medium so those who are facing christmas you know your your children will be there they just move too fast and sometimes if you just sit sit still and sit quietly and just Throw your thoughts out to the other world and just just send that thought to your son or to your daughter and just sit there and listen to the silence. Feel that, em- you know, that empty space around you and see if you could just become aware of something. And then once you become aware of something, just keep talking. But um, when I was decorating this one, I was thinking there's certain ornaments up there which I can say that's for you, Dad, and that's for you. Emma, that's for you, Nan, and I send certain thoughts. And, um, you know, put a present out under the tree for them. The, if you think it, the, the spirit world sees it and it projects. So when I send gifts to the spirit world, I see it in my head. So I send my Nan roses. So I see a bunch of roses and I say, this is for you, you Nan. Because if, 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 if it's true what the spirit world say, that when we die, you know, we go to a place called the state of familiarity and what we think becomes our reality as well. So if thought is given life over there, so we can send presents by our thoughts to our children and to our loved ones. So um, I sit there quietly and I, I kind of send a thought to Nan and send her roses. I send dad a Toberone because he'd like love Toberones. Emma, I, I see her, um, I get her a pony in my head and things like that. Um, so I create those things, but the, the spirit people haven't left you. So don't kind of rub them out your life. Keep them involved in your life. You know, Christmas time when you put in presents under the tree, you just kind of just go, yeah, this one's for you, son. This one's for you. And just keep it within your consciousness. And if need be, then afterwards, donate it to a charity where another child who may be less fortunate to have the love from a parent like you are loving your children can have that magic of being special for the day with that toy. So I don't know if that's the answer, 
but I feel that's my way of coping with the experiences what we've had. But then going into what I've experienced with the spirit world in seances, completely different, completely different. It's pandemonium, and I love it. I love it. Christmas time, Christmas tree seances is the only time they are allowed to destroy the room. They're allowed to do whatever they want, and they're not going to be told off. Um, we had a lovely lad come in, and we took him fruit. We took in sweets. We take presents in. You name it, we take it in. As long as it doesn't emit a light, we take it in. And um, this boy picked up um, this object and started eating it. And, going, it's, and you heard the voice go, <laughs> no, I don't like that. And we said, what is it? And he's got the orange and he hasn't peeled the skin off the orange, but he started eating it like an apple. So he's eating the skin of the orange. <laughs> and I find that really funny. And you can hear the kids shaking the presents and throwing the presents that they don't like, tearing open the paper. And you can hear them go, <gasps> you can hear the, the, the amazingness in their voices. And one time with Colin, I took, um, each control had a present. So Magnus had Stone's ginger wine, which is alcohol. Dolly, who was the drag queen, had a tiara and the fairy wand. Charlie had the sheriff's hat and the parrot, because he was in charge of it. And then I took a present for the kids. And each of the spirit people started to materialize. And I say, oh, there's a present under the tree for you. And bear in mind, there's loads of presents. They would always go and find the present. They didn't have to open up one and they would go straight to it. And Charlie Carter materialized and he used to love gin. He was a little boy. So we used to put a little bottle of gin. And unknown to me, I didn't realize you had to put small amounts in. I took in bottles like this. Oh, no. And took in a huge bottle. And, um, this, you know, Charlie Carter went straight over and said, I don't want that. And he opened up the big bottle and you can hear him glugging, like proper, full-blown mouthfuls of this stone ginger wine and everyone's going oh have you found your gin he said no no i found ginger punch and they're saying no we got your gin i said no i brought the ginger punch and that was for magnus and he's still glugging away and magnus has said enough and this voice came out of the corner and you heard charlie's words slurring like he was drunk and they said whatever was being absorbed by the spirit person was being absorbed into the bloodstream of the medium. So Colin was getting drunk without actually drinking. So when Colin came out of the trance states, he was just doing, I said, <laughs> you're right, Carl. And he went, yeah. And he was drunk and we had to help him up. But the funny thing was that each child then came afterwards, wanted to try this drink and they had to, they had to put the lid on, but they twisted it in such a way you couldn't get the lid back off. But when the light came on, if this was the full bottle, they had drank about that much. So they had drank almost half the bottle of this stone ginger wine, which went straight back into the bloodstream. But you take food in there and you've got the kids eating mince pies. They're giving mince pies out to people. Um, and there was one time this girl, she lived in an orphanage. She actually died in a fire. And um, she materialized and she was she was commenting on our tree and she's like, oh, isn't it you know, lovely? And we were like, sweetheart, take a present. And she said, no. And I said, no, take a present. And she said, no, I'm, I'm not allowed. I said, who's not allowing you? And she said, the, the sister. There. So it was um, um, a nun because she, she was part of this convent thing. 
And I said, is she there with you? And she said, yes. I said, let me have a word with her. And bear in mind, I'm a bit outspoken then. And um, when she came through, I said, how dare you? And I was kind of really angry because I, I'm like a big kid. Seeing kids happy makes me happy. And I said, no, this isn't right. So I said to the girl, what do you want? And she said, I want that one. So I said, okay, open it. And she put it on your knee and you would help very slowly her open it. And it was a bus. And then she'd move the bus up and down. She said, it's a boy's toy. I said, well, go back there and get another one then. So she went and then opened up another one. It was a cup and saucer with the little tea sets. So we had to sit there and she put the cup and saucer in her hand and then pretend to pour us the cup of tea. And we had to sit there and the sounds go, mm, this is nice. And we were, we were like kids. And what this was doing was helping this little girl move away from the nun move away from that thinking that she she can't do it because this is her life so it was healing that child as well um, but these are the extreme cases but in our ones we have little norman who likes to play catch the christmas tree or he gets his roller skates and he puts his roller skates on and he goes across and he works better in banyan because it's a wooden floor and you can hear him skating and then he falls over and he goes i'm okay and and i just love it i love it I do too. And and just, it was just our American Thanksgiving that I was over there last. In fact, sitting in the seance with you and my experiences, you know, I've already been with some people for a couple of days. We know everybody, however many of us were in the room, 25, 30, and it's dark. And we start singing jingle bells and the 12 days of Christmas and really like building up energy because energy is what's required for this phenomena to take place. But then you hear, and I tell you the smile on my face of hearing all these presents being unwrapped at the same time, no human being could possibly do that and things moving around and things were being played with. And then at one point, Daniel was saying, of course, you're in the cabinet, so you didn't get to witness this. It was happening through you. But what toys were at different people's feet? And it's pitch black. And of course, when the light went on, that was that, just like that. I felt a a child's hand touch me like this on the hand. Um, Once before, there's a glow-in-the-dark plaque that you have at Banyan. And uh, there was a little child that you could see his or her hands showing the plaque to people. You could see their ectoplasmic fingers, just the toys being played with. You know, I've, I've been there with Norman and hearing him going around on his roller skates. It's just, when I talk about Christmas joy and, and going from where I was in the past to where I am now, um, Scott, you will be coming back to America in February and March for a couple events with me and call it we don't die boston.com and we don't die orlando.com there will be séances available for people who want to attend those but can we bring some toys and have i know it won't be christmas time be getting close to easter but can we can we do something like this can we have some fun with the children at our séances yeah absolutely because it's it's part of getting people to heal and it's, if, if it's going to make people feel more comfortable sitting in the dark and having presents in there for the kids to play, then so but if people are going to feel more comfortable sitting in the dark and have chocolate, whatever, <laughs> it's just to make you, you know, the sitters to feel more calm and feel more, more comfortable. Because as you know, the word sounds has that dirty stigma. Yes. But as you were talking there, a thought came through my head and it's, it's, 
so important that we keep these people who live in our hearts alive. You know, we're suffering that grief of missing that physical touch. And if people just rub them out of their lives and no, they're dead, they're dead. I wonder how that spirit person in the other world is feeling. I'm not dead. I'm here. I'm living. I'm living with you. I'm not gone anywhere. I know it's painful. I know you can't see me at the moment, but just try. But, you know, no one gives us a book on grief, do they? No one tells us how we should feel after this happens. I always call it the idiot zone, the idiot zone. So when someone dies, the idiot zone goes around you. And people walk into this idiot zone and say the most stupid things. Like someone said to me, um, on so dad died on the Sunday. So this is the, I was asked to do a demonstration on the Friday night. I wasn't going to do it, but I was told I had to do it. So I went and did this demonstration. On a Saturday morning, this woman came up to me and said, oh, your dad's in a better place. And I was like, no, he's not. Well, at least he didn't suffer. I said, you have no idea. And there was no awareness of this idiot zone. And the same on the funeral. They say, nice day for it. Well, actually, it isn't a nice day for it. Um, I'm just kiss goodbye to the earthly remains of someone who I care for. Or they say, oh, don't worry, you'll get over it. Or you have to send good thoughts to the people that did this. And it's that, that, that awareness. And I think really with grief and as mediums, we have to become aware of this, this idiot zone, the grief zone, and just to have that empathy. Like when mediums are demonstrating and if someone is getting emotional and getting upset, learning to move with that emotion instead of keep picking away at it. And so I think we, we, we need to look at how we, we grieve. So bringing presence into the room, and if someone who is coming for the first time to this event and they booked onto the seance and they, they want to bring a toy, the toy will have to be looked at first of all, just to make sure that is, there's no lights on it um, or anything that's gonna hurt anyone. So that we, we wrap it up and it'd be wrapped up by someone separate from me. So I don't know who it is, but you know, whose present was brought in I don't know what's inside the thing. So that the spirit children, if they do unwrap it, they can, they can tell us what it is. And then they can give it back to the owner after it's played to. I don't know. Um, but I think why not? If we do Boston, and obviously Boston's going to be cold. So yes. we snow. So if we have snow, maybe, who knows, we could possibly do a little Christmas one. You know, who knows? We can do anything. And let's talk about some gifts here, because I think along with this episode, uh, you and I have some gifts to share. Before I'm going to bring up what the gifts are, um, you know where I'm going to be going with this, but could you talk about what trance mediumship is, trance mediumship? Okay, so there's there's a word for trance, which if you look at the word uh, in trance, it means entrance. And what we're doing, we're entering into an experience. And it's very simple that I I sit there and I close my eyes. And somewhere within my consciousness, I put myself. And after a few songs are being played, I I feel very, very heavy, like I'm going to sleep. And I just can't be bothered. And then as I sit there and I have this feeling I can't be bothered, the spirit people then use my vocal cords to speak through me like I'm speaking to you now. But the voice may change. The voice may sound older or younger. It may sound like of someone in the past. 
and through that in instructions that they will give philosophy and will and not answer questions because the voice has always said there are no answers to questions there are only questions that lead to greater questions so they they give thoughts on subjects and in the trance states people can ask questions and the voice will then give back their thoughts upon this matter they don't normally in public arenas do personal messages um because it's personal to the individual that is sitting opposite the medium but uh, trance mediumship is where the mind is being occupied or dusted of the thoughts of eternity now in america you have the word channeling and channeling is completely separate to the word in trance now it's channeling is normally involving a organization with the ascended masters or the angels etc which cannot be proved of their existence so channeling for me is more of soul it's soul so you can close your eyes and you have this thought of philosophy and it comes from you so it could be your higher self speaking with trance it's a discarnate mind of someone who has walked this earth their life can be proved that they've touched the earth if you went back on records you will find the existence of this person so trance mediums work with discarnate spirits who've worked this world you know walks with this world work for this world channeling can't be proven if that makes sense oh it's perfect and i remember the first time i saw you demonstrate at, at banyan i didn't know what i was in for you just simply sit in the room the, the lights were dimmed but not too much i could still see you and your eyes closed and about 10 minutes later someone else's voice boldly speaks through your mouth and i was i'll say holy cow like and the words of inspiration and love and talking about the reality of the afterlife um this was eric asking you know what questions do we have and I remember asking a question about is there a purpose of suffering and without even having to think I mean out came the most profound words of wisdom that really helped me in my life and for our listener or viewer right now I will attach the clip from that so you can actually hear it um but it changed my life witnessing the trance communication changed my life and i as one of the christmas presents we are actually recording this and airing this on uh, sunday december 16th 2018 it's quite possible you're going to watch this much further in the future which is okay because in the description of this episode i've got some links that you can actually view some of these things but can you talk about your gift on thursday december 20th what you'll be doing yeah so on thursday so the 20th of December um at 6 p.m. UK time I'm going to sit um on Zoom um uh, with Nick from Banyan and I want to go into the alter states into the trance states and give the opportunity for Eric to then give the address um for the end of the year beautiful and um it's completely free it's whoever wants to come on and if you've never seen trance before and if this would be your first and last time then you've had the experience and say yes i've seen trance um my 
purpose of doing this is to bring awareness to a charity which is called the Melzer House, which is um, in United Kingdom. It's a children's hospice. And all the toys which have been donated in the Christmas tree seances from Banyan goes to this charity. And the way I look at it is that if, if we've created a power that has brought the dead back to life and the toys have been touched by the spirit world, then the toy must absorb some kind of power. And that toy then goes to the hospice and for a child who's coming to the end of their journey here on earth, they have that power of the happiness that we created on that night when the spirit children came and played. And I would hope that the spirit world in whatever way can give healing to that child. Now, it is a free event, but if people wanted to leave a donation, you can leave whatever you want. It's completely optional. Uh, okay. If you want to come along and you don't leave a donation, I will still love you. If you do leave a donation, I will still love you. Um, I don't do Christmas cards at Christmas, you know, writing cards to everyone because people open them, they sit on a dusty shelf and then they get binned. Um, I like to donate to a charity. And this year, the Mauser House is the charity that we're supporting. So the purpose of Thursday is to, um, if you wanted to come on this journey, you go to scottmilligan.net and there is an option which says um, trance um, and that will be for the 20th. Now you click on that, you can, it will have an option three or donate. Um, if you click on three, you will still have to go through like the process, but it will come up as zero, zero, zero. And then if you click on that, that then gives you, um, notifies myself and Nick. And on Thursday of the morning of the event, you then get the link sent to you. And then you come on and have the opportunity to see it, but also, there may be an opportunity to ask questions and allow the voice to, to answer those questions. Beautiful. So that's what I want to give for the end of the year, if that's okay. Oh, of course. And just to be mindful of our listener slash viewer who's now watching this sometime in 2020, <laughs> uh, you may have missed this live event, but there's a way to get to it. First of all, if you want to watch it live, uh, you can go to scottmilligan.net beforehand because you have to register. And I actually, there's a link that I clicked on that says book live event. That's the one I had clicked on. And then it is zero free up to whatever you want to give. And I actually gave because Demelza House is a really great children's hospice. And anytime we can make a difference with a children's life, especially hospice um, near and dear to my heart as my dad was in a hospice but it will be 6 p.m uk time 1 p.m new york time 10 a.m pacific time and then you know you just have to figure out if you're somewhere else in the world now also on scottmilligan.net there's different tutorials that he's done he's actually got trainings he's got some of these recorded from the past so if you are listening to this somewhere in the future, you can go to scottmilligan.net and there's, there's a whole bunch available. Also, if you go to wedontdieradio.com, this is episode 283. And just beneath it, there are some past recordings that I have uh, with Scott at um, 
some different events and some other great things. So at least you will be able to hear what it is we're talking about. And let's make a plug for coming to the United States, part of Scott's demonstrations, uh, besides being available doing the, the seances on some evenings. But there will be a trance questions and answer period on an evening. Um, and it's just magnificent. You'll also be talking about physical mediumship and giving a brilliant slideshow that you have about the history of it and, and talking about it and teaching people how to start sitting for ourselves with the spirit world. Because am I correct, Scott, that each one of us can make our own connection with our own spirit team? Absolutely. Um, it can be in such a subtle way. Now, I, I make it clear that I believe everyone is psychic because psychic is soul. Not all psychics are mediums, but all mediums are psychic. So work that out. So if we are all spirit incarnated, we're all psychic. So therefore we have an intuition and awareness. But for some people, we can take that a next step further and actually be able to see spirit people like I see you, hear them as, you know, we're hearing each other. But other people may get it in the subtleness of just an inner knowing and knowing that they are there. Or you'll be sitting there and all of a sudden you think, Dad, you know, why am I thinking Dad? You know, I wasn't thinking them. And it could be that dad's just moved close to you and you've just become aware. Um, you can look at other things to to help see if it is possible, like electronic voice phenomena, EDP, or table tilting, or should I be bold and say the spirit board or the Ouija board? Um, these are all tools that become an extension of who you are and with the power that you can provide, because for us to work as mediums, we have to give something to the spirit world. We have to give something to, for them to pull back that curtain. So for me, I have to do a prayer for my soul and I can feel the curtain being pulled back so I'm able to then move within the presence of the spirit. Um, so you can get in touch with those who you love by asking yourself, where do you experience love? You know, if you truly, truly look at when you see a child hug an adult or you think of your loved one, where does it make you feel gooey? Some people make it, may feel it here. I feel it in, in the pit of my stomach here. So there, that's where my soul resides. That's where my power resides. So moving my awareness to that area and just remembering that, that happiness, I can become aware of the, of the greater environment around me, of an environment which we call unseen and unheard, but I started to become, I think I become more involved with them and, and move into their environment when I'm in that area of love. Sorry, just as I was talking then, I just felt a movement of, of shift there. I was like, hello. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Like we're not consciously exercising it, but we just become aware of a presence here. And uh, I, I'm just becoming aware of someone here moving close to me. And I think that's because you've asked that question, how do we connect? And just simply moving into that power, then the door opens. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Uh, and I don't want to sound like this episode is just a sales pitch for coming to Boston or Orlando, but part of what part of the reason I've created these events is that when I got the opportunity many times now to attend Banyan Retreat with our friends Nick and Stephen that run the place and Scott being physical medium demonstrator, Eileen Davies, 
Philip Dykes, we just met at the last one, who's an evidential medium. I, as a kid, wanted so much magic to be real. I used to watch Bewitched, and I'd think I'd just have to wiggle my nose and things would happen. But somewhere in my heart, it's like I had this belief that magic is possible, and maybe more than magic, that there's a bigger purpose to life and living. And I know that my experiences in the past 20 years of being on the discovery of the afterlife or any evidence, I've gone from this skepticism and not believing to this hope, to then a faith, to then a belief, to now what I can only call is a knowing. And the experience of love from the people around at a small environment, like one of these retreats, but also from the spirit world and witnessing what I call the miraculous. I wish I could give you right now that feeling of love that's possible, that unconditional love that you only hear about, that I actually think once we all migrate, that's what we're going to be surrounded with. But I've actually felt it but I'm feeling it being at a live event, being with a group of people. I think in my heart that this event that we're putting on, these events, Scott, that we're going to start putting on are the very best evidence of the afterlife. My 20-year journey of the best of the best that I've come up with. We have Brazilian scientist Sonia Rinaldi coming all the way from Brazil to present her 30 years of capturing voices of deceased children with their parents, just giving it away all of her life. And now the past two years, she's actually got film and pictures of children in the afterlife that are so real. And I I just want to bring you, whoever can join us. I can understand if you can't, But if you can, it's something that if it's gnawing at you right now, move heaven and earth to get there. It is in the middle of winter coming to Boston, but the flights are also cheaper and it's in a nice warm hotel. And we're going to feed you as part of this so you don't have to go outside to take care, buy any meals. But if you want to move, this is what I say from that feeling of faith or hope, past belief to this knowing that the afterlife is real, that you, my friend, are a soul having a human experience. That's why you can send these thoughts of presence to your children and they will receive them because we communicate that through the power of the soul in our imagination. But I want you to be able to soak up and feel this feeling of love, experience this magic, which is not not magic at all. It's reality. And I knew from the start as once I got a little taste of this, it's like I, I need to share it with people. So I'm asking you, come, come to Boston. We don't die. Boston.com is the website. We don't die. Orlando.com is the website for Orlando. That has not been finalized yet, but Boston has been. I mean, it's happening. Oh, yeah, I don't want to. Go ahead, I Scott. Wait. I can't wait for it because. It is important that we do the work and we do it in the right way. And the thing is that I've been very blessed in my journey to be trained in such a way what feels comfortable and feels right for me. 
in the sense of I, I'm not an airy fairy medium. I'm no. logical, I'm rational, and I hope my mediumship is a mum and dad medium, which is bringing information from people who are instantly known, not like, oh, I've got your cousins, brothers, sisters, uncles, such, 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 such. No. Or I don't want a, a medium to stand up and say, right, I'm going to do ev- you know, a, a gallery night or an evidential night and just have angels through. No. It's about, I was trained in such a way that mediumship can be proven if we allow it. And when people have these unusual ideas of how to connect with the spirit world, which, you know, if that's how they want to do it, that's, that's solely it. But I always say it's about moving with that power, integrity. And instead of demanding from the spirit world, give me this, give me that, give me this, it's saying to the spirit world, what would you like to say to the person that sits opposite? And because death robs us of our voice. Death robs us of that opportunity to say what we want to say. You know, when my dad died um, and he was saying that, I was saying everything I should have said 25 hours beforehand. And I should have been saying it even further beyond that. It took death to come for me to say exactly how I felt. So now knowing that, saying to the spirit world, what would you like to say to the loved one in front? And I, I love it. I love the voice box when they come through with their own personality and their own words. And, you know, with having the voice of this man saying, as we were sitting in the circle, and I'm just going, come on, who would you like to talk to? And he's saying, there are a bunch of weirdos here. They're sitting in the dark. And you're like, yes, they are weird. However, who would you like to talk to? I want to talk to my son. Why are you mixed up with all these weirdos? Da, da, da. And then having the son having that conversation back. And I said to him after, so your dad didn't believe in the afterlife? And, oh, no, he didn't. He thought it's doing seances of all weird people. So that became part of the evidence, and that's what I love about it. But if you do want to come on this journey with us, I make a promise to all of you that I will do my best on behalf of those who you love to give that opportunity for the spirit world to move through our senses to then hope and help hopefully give you a chink of light on a dark day. But remember, if you come along and you don't get the message, but someone else does, you played a part in giving that person that opportunity to stand again. But you don't have to come on this event if you're feeling grief. But if you are a a medium that wants to experience another layer, come along and be part of this journey. And I promise you, um, I am tall, but everyone who I meet will get a hug. (laughs) Even if I have to. (laughs) Them because I am six foot four and in Arizona God love this little lady she must be like four foot I had to get on my knees and I was still taller than her <laughs> you know? um, so it'll be a gift of a hug yeah and that, well not just that it, it's really a journey for anyone no matter who you are if you're a human being you come um, I got the pleasure of meeting Phil Dykes and Carrie McLeod at Banyan, who are some unbelievably wonderful evidential mediums, they'll be doing a demonstration. And not only that, they'll be doing an exercise with all of us to tap into our own psychic sense. So you will actually experience that you're more than just the flesh and bones you think you are, because how can you know things about others like that. They're really great. There will be medium demonstrations every day as part of it. So your loved one may not come through in a seance. They may come through 
an evidential medium. Um, there's all the mediums that are there are going to make themselves available to do private readings with people too. If you want to just spend a half hour with a person, because you know, it just like Scott says, there's no guarantee they'll come through. It doesn't mean they're not there. It took my dad years before he actually <laughs> came through on a on a platform reading, but I know that he's there. Scott, can I ask you to talk about this guy, Leslie Flint? Yes. Because you keep you mentioned the ectoplasmic voice box, and I and I think that he's one of our greats from the past. And I think that would just help understand what that is you're talking about. Leslie Flint was one of our greatest independent direct voice mediums uh, of our modern world. He passed from this world in 1994, um, and he lived in uh, Princess Street in Hove, which is 25 minutes away from my house now. Four streets down from where I used to sit at John Austin's house. He was bound, he was gagged, he was tied, he was stitched uh, to the chair, but still the voices came. He was able to sit there and hold dye in his mouth and still the voices would speak around him. He had um, wires put to his throat to make sure that his own Adam's apple wasn't moving or his voice box and it never moved or never detected anything, but still the voices were heard around him. He used to sit there, and he never went into the trance states in the later part. In the early days of his unfoldment, he used to go into the trance states. But he used to just sit there, like we're doing now. If you can imagine the lights are off, he would sit there and say, come along, come along, come along, Mickey. And you would hear the voice come out and say, I'm here, I'm here. Um, there is a lovely site, which is Leslie Flint's, uh, I think dot com dot com. Yep. It's just all about Leslie's work and about some of the recordings. A lot of the recordings are of people that we would all know, but he used to do sit-ins and there was a lot of recordings that have not been released of loved ones talking back. John Austin went to Leslie at 140 Westbourne Terrace in London. And he sat there and he paid two pound 50 and him and his wife sat there and Mickey went over to his wife, Geraldine, started to talk to her and said, there's a boy here who's pushing his way to the front. And within a moment, Geraldine and John were having a conversation with their son, Howard, who had been killed on a train with his girlfriend and along with his best friend. The girlfriend then spoke to John and Geraldine said, Howard, come back now. And Howard then came back and carried on talking to his mother for almost 15 minutes they spoke for and spoke about Brighton. Now John was living in London at the time. They said, there's all this talk about Brighton. There's all the talk about you moving to the sea. And he said, no, no, Brighton was where he was killed. And he said, no, no, he said, no, dad, you're going to live in Brighton. And he moved to 25A Marina Avenue up a Wish Road in Hove, which was where 30 seconds down the road is Brighton. So it, he was, Leslie was an incredible man, uh, a very unassuming character. His lectures were brilliant, a genuine man who thought when he died, he was going for a rest. But unfortunately, the spirit world said, no, we need you. And now he conducts the seances in the spirit world. And he works with people to try and get the connection right to continue the work of spiritualism. That's beautiful. Um, something just dawned on me. Thank you for sharing that while we're talking. It's great to be talking about grief, the holidays, our loved ones being around. But I had just some of my 
books with me. And I've got one called Spirit Healing by this guy, uh, Harry Edwards. There are some listeners or viewers right now that may not be well. They may be facing their own mortality. Could you talk just a little bit about um, maybe the healing, maybe? And I know we don't all heal physically because we are all going to migrate someday. But if we have somebody listening or viewing right now that um, maybe needs a little bit of hope or possibility of healing, or if they are closer to migrating, just some words of wisdom. I think it's, it's very hard because we all face the, the end of our lives differently. And some people, if you said to me, this is my last day on earth, um, I think I'll probably react a little bit different to how I am now. But I'd be excited because I'll be meeting my father and my sister and my nan and all those who I loved and as well as my animals and seeing what the spirit world truly is like. And the spirit people have said we can always tell a newbie when they come over because obviously you're allowed to do whatever you want, you know, whatever you can achieve. If you couldn't sing a note, you're, you would sing beautifully and fill massive halls. If you couldn't paint, but when you die, you can paint whatever portrait you want and it would hang in the most beautiful gallery. If you weren't able to play pieces of music, but you would go in front of the keyboard and play wonderful music and so on and so forth. And um, Daniel said to me, we always know when a newbie comes over because a lot of things, when we say, what would you, what would you always wanted to do but never be able to and a lot of people say fly, and you can see these people up in the air. And Daniel makes a little joke, and he says, I've got to kind of tie a string around their ankles so we can make sure they don't float away. Um, and I kind of find that really funny, and I want to find out if that's true. But the spirit voice came one time and described death to us, and I would like to share this with you. They said to me, death was like the first time they stepped on an aeroplane. First time you step on an aeroplane is the fear of the unknown. It's a fear of how this journey is going to be. It's a bit scary. You may be on an aircraft which is full of people. You may only have a few people on there. But then all of a sudden, as you take off, there may be some bumps and a little bit of uncertainty along the way, maybe a bit of sickness. But when you reach down and touch down and the door opens and you step out into the warm sun, you kind of look back and you think what all the fuss was about. And they said, that's what death is like, the fear of the unknown. But once you get there, that fear melts away. Dying is easy. It's living that's difficult. And those who are facing their, maybe their last Christmas here on earth due to illness or suffering or, or maybe having those dark thoughts of having that time to, to end their lives and things like that. If you're going to end your life, this world will miss you. And it's important that you talk to people about this. Depression is a illness. It's not your fault. And I think it's important that you do talk to people because this world will miss. And a lot of times that we hear the voices that come um, that who have taken their own lives, the first thing they say is, I didn't realize how much I was loved. And I want you, before you do that, that moment of stepping into something, just sit there and think, that when you go from this world, how your family is going to feel. And it's important that you talk to people and you can reach out. There's organizations there you can reach out to. But those who are coming to the end of their life through illness, I send good thoughts to you now and hope that healing comes to calm you. And I rest assured 
that when your time comes to close your eyes, a wave of peace will wash over you. There will be no pain. You'll close your eyes and then you'll open them and your family will be standing there. You will not be lost. You will not be forgotten. Your family will be there to welcome you. And it may even be your dogs, your cats that run first and push everyone out of the way. And it's the biggest party you'll ever experience. This thoughts that are written in Bibles, these thoughts which are being said about reincarnation or karma and all of this, they're just words. Spirit world have said, when you die is part of the easiest process. And it, you know, did you struggle when you were born? Did you, did you, when you were born to this world, was it painful? You won't remember it. And that's what death is like. You won't remember the process. But if this is your last moment on earth, look back on your life and think of how many people you've touched and look forward to all those people that have taken that step before us will now come back and welcome you into the, the eternal light. The world of the spirit is not in time. There is no pain. There's no war. There's colors beyond the spectrum. There's sounds beyond your earthly ears. And it's going to be an amazing point. So, but live your life, live it full. And this time of Christmas, it's a day. It's a day where it should be special, but you may be having it on your own. But you may be by yourself in this world. But if you shift your consciousness just for a moment, there'll be thousands of people from the spirit world in this very room around you. And you may feel alone, but you'll never be alone when the spirit's there. Yeah, I do believe we have our invisible cheerleaders by our side, even if we are alone. Could you just uh, talk a teeny bit about Harry Edwards? And I don't even know this from you. When you teach and especially when we do our Boston event and you teach people how to sit. Could we talk a little bit about healing? And, um, yeah. Well, yeah. Harry Edwards used to say the healing is transferred with the first touch. So the moment the hand touches someone, the healing is transferred, the power is shifted. But we keep our hands there to reassure people and allow the power to find its level and find where it needs to be. Harry Edwards was one of the most incredible healers of our modern world. But he also sat in the physical sounds and was circle leader to Jack Webber. And Jack and Harry went and saw the trance medium, Maurice Barbonell, whose control was called Silver Birch. His real name was called Big Jump, but Big Jump was changed to the word Silver Birch. And you can find Silver Birch's teachings online on um, the Spiritual Truth Foundation. And Silver Birch... So I spoke to both Harry and Jack and said, one of you will go down the healing route and one of you will go down the physical route. Jack went down the physical route and Harry went down the healing. Harry was known all over the world and he would have people who were beggars to royalty to come and sit with him and to experience in his gifts of healing. He would have people walk on stage who had... Um, the debilitating conditions and he would place his hands on them along with what they used to call like the battery people so there'll be three of them supporting harry in the in the healing process and then they would walk normally off stage but there are illnesses that come that unfortunately harry wasn't able to heal one being jack weber who was his medium who died when he was 33 years old and he died of meningitis and um, 
It was a very rare strain and Harry was unable to help him. But after Jack's death, there was a child that came who had the same strain as Jack and he was able to help him. Uh, so I think sometimes some illnesses can't be treated, but it's part of the soul leaving this world. So um, I never say when your time is up, your time is up. I think sometimes your soul just says, I'm now ready to move home. And no matter what intervention that medicine can give us, will never help. But Harry was incredible. He has a healing sanctuary still in existence in Surrey, uh, in England. Um, I've never been, uh, but I saw Harry clairvoyantly one time when we were doing healing. So I wouldn't mind going to see where his sanctuary was. Um, but Harry is still continuing his work in the spirit world, working through individuals to create healing bombs. Um, so yes, that's Harry. It's funny because you mentioned Silver Birch and I have these two little books right here. And I know that you have them on scottmilligan.net. You can go to the Austin Wish Shop. But I just opened to a random page, honest to God, a random page. And it's Awakening the Soul Through Healing. Healing is a soul process, not a physical one. When a soul is ready, the healing will take place. It must be so. It cannot be any other way. Healing is the power of life applied to its receptacle, the soul in the earthly body. So how special is that? And I have heard unbelievable stories of healing. And if somebody's not physically healed, it may be on a emotional level. I mean, you just never know. But I think it's worth playing full out. Yeah, healing touches on many layers because you've got the <laughs> mental, physical, spiritual realm. So when we are healing, if we've got someone who has schizophrenia, um, I would never do trance healing in front of them because uh, you're losing, you as a trance medium are losing that kind of control. So spiritual right. healing is more beneficial for someone with schizophrenia um, because it's a much more softer process. And also that the, the healer themselves are in control um, when we're in trance, it's like giving up control. So there are certain people that come for healing that don't require the trance states. They require the spiritual healing, and that's where you make your connection with the spirit world and also with your own version of who you call God is and allow that power to move through you, um, like a channel, if you will. But so I think it's most important that we do at Christmas when we sit in front of the tree on Christmas night and just think of those who are less fortunate, who are going through suffering times at the moment, and be thankful for what we have in life. And, you know, Christmas isn't about how many presents we can stuff under the tree. It's about bringing people together on both sides of life. So really, every day is Christmas. You bring people together. Scott, do you have time for one more question? Absolutely. Okay, because I just feel, like, drawn to ask this um, the power of prayer. Could yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Because I know there is power to prayer. Yeah. There's a, the prayer, prayer is most important. As a medium, I, I work from prayer. I can tell a demonstration if it's going to be a successful demonstration by the quality of prayer that's given before the sitting. Now, a prayer doesn't need to be full of protection. Like, protect me with the angels, put your arm. No, none of that. Don't need that. That's, that's dead words. A prayer must come from your soul. It must come from who you are. 
if a prayer's rushed, there's no power there. So, for instance, if I got you to pray and you were nervous and the nerves got the better of you, you could say, um, great spirit, be here now. I'm here to work and I want the best things for the person in front of me. There's nothing. But if you then move into your power, into that soulness, and say, you know, to be divine infinite power, as we climb the steps to the altar of peace and we knock upon softly the door of eternity, we are here to offer our love. And if it is so your wish, as I sit here now, through me may the power flow like the river that melts into the ocean of peace. As I sit, I strive for the highest in your name. If it is so your wish, dust my consciousness with your love. As we sit as a family, may my love be a banquet for you to feast upon. And whatever is done in your name, let it be so. Welcome, friends. So something, something like that. So it's about <laughs> moving into the power and allowing the spirit of the soul of who you are to surface. And that kind of then opens it kind of like walking into the room and switching on the light and it pulls back that curtain that I'm ready to work. And it's allowing the spirit world that opportunity to, to move into the power I'm providing. That's a beautiful explanation. Thank you. Uh, I've not gone through life praying too much, but now no. I'm really seeing the value of it. And it's really what comes from within. I tell you folks, our energy can shift. And if you can imagine yourself after we've migrated, we use the power of our thought, our feelings, our emotions, our intentions. And laughter is one of the best energy sources. So laughter, love, gratitude, prayer, all good. So Scott, I think it's about time to close out this episode. Do you, are you anything pulling on you that is left unsaid or that you want to share? No, I, I think most importantly is just thanking you and thanking everyone who is supporting spiritualism and supporting the work now if spiritualism doesn't sit well with you it's supporting people who are suffering at this time as mediums we try to become the healers between the two worlds healing the need of the bereaved as well as healing the need of the spirit and as we kiss goodbye to this year and look back in reflection of who you may have touched or who you've held or kissed goodbye to realize that one day we will meet on the golden shores of eternity and we'll experience the celebration of life eternal. I think it's important that we do look at this time, even though the nights are darker and the daylight is, is kind of pulling itself away, we realize that in a few moments or in a month or so, the sun will start to return. And those who are suffering on their darkest day realize it's always darkest before the dawn. But also talk to people about how you feel and allow that process of healing to take place. Let's learn from the past because we can't change it. As we look back at the past, the words are written, the ink is dry. But we can write something new for the future and you can make a promise that you will do your best to serve a greater power. Or read or start to investigate what, what mediumship has to offer. You don't have to be a medium to serve the spirit world. Mediums need good people to sit for them, to provide them power. 
and be a sitter to support a medium, pray or give healing thoughts to those who are less fortunate. Being a victim of grief, I know what it is. I know when it attacks you. I know it grabs you in the middle of the night. And if you can help someone to be pulled back from that edge and not to be punched in the stomach, then you've done your duty. So um, I say to all of you, those who are maybe by yourself this year, there's always someone who loves you, if you can see it or not. So get through Christmas. I promise you will get easier. So just take a deep breath, sit in the quietness, and you may feel like there's no one around you, but I promise you, in this very room, in this room and in Sandra's room, there is a, not a, an inch that isn't full of the spirit. It's just they move too fast for us to experience it. And maybe in your dreams you dream of them and you wake with tears that stream down your face and realise then that you have been touched by eternity. So thank you for supporting not only myself, but We Don't Die, and supporting what Miss America is doing in her own mediumistic way by sharing thoughts to those who have just had grief touch them. So thank you, um, and maybe in America um, I will see you, or maybe in England or wherever it may be. And just remember, you are the evidence that the spirit world is touching. Not me, not what comes through me, you are the evidence, because it shows that spiritualism has ignited a flame and is starting to move people from a place of unsure, to knowing, to absolutely standing in that power and saying, one day I'll meet again. Aww. <sighs> I'm filled with love right now. And as a gift you've given me is you and Darren, Nick and Steven are now my best friends. And so there is something about being able to be open and vulnerable and share this world that there's a bond created like no other. And they can just totally be myself. And we can be silly together. We can ride rides at Disneyland together, whatever that may be. And so I'm really grateful. Yes, that you're my friend. Yeah, so, the, the top I'm wearing is from Disneyland because we were on a ride together with Darren, Sandra, and myself. And we got absolutely soaked. The fountain that came from the, the water that we were riding towards stayed on as we went through it and it just came down. And I got so soaked, so I had to go and buy myself a new top, which is huge. Um, it's like triple size and what it should be, but it's Disneyland. And it's cozy. So just yeah. to recap a couple of things, if you go to scottmilligan.net, you can click the book live event. And Thursday, December 20th, he will be doing a fundraiser for Demelza House. He'll be doing a live trance question and answer period if you should have missed that because you're listening sometime in the future simply go to we don't die radio.com and scroll down to episode 283 and there's some links for different things that you can hear about i also want to remind you our home base is we don't die radio.com and as some special gifts to you i do have a very healing audio called how to survive grief I've got a PDF file about my top reasons to believe in the afterlife. It says, read a few chapters of my book. And the secret is it's the whole book. Uh, if, if you want to know why I believe in the afterlife, 
and get some great tools through grief and also to help you live a good life. That's there too. And then come join the party. We don't die Boston.com February 22nd through 24th. You can come in a day earlier and stay a day later and do a workshop with Scott, which will be absolutely fantastic. There'll be medium demonstrations every day. There'll be lots of laughter. I've got a guy coming in talking about signs from our loved ones. I've got some neat special guests actually that are going to be there. Plus you can hear more from me and we can have lots of love and fun and hugs and the drinks at the bar at night, right? <laughs> we don't die boston.com and we don't die orlando.com will be coming soon. You can leave your name there if you want to find out more. So in closing, I'm Sandra Champlain, and this may very well be our very last episode, 2018. Wow. I'm always so happy to be your host on this show. It, it really has been a growth for my soul. I never would have assumed the worst thing that's ever happened in my life, which is the death of my dad, can, and the grief that I felt, all-time rock-bottom low, could turn into the best thing that's ever happened to me because I went on this journey and here I am with the best friends that I've had witnessing the miraculous. And if I could just give you all of that, that's what I want to do. And that's what I'm committed to in the future. So in closing, thank you for watching this episode or listening to this episode. I do believe we are all souls having a human experience. Your life is important. You are loved by thousands of souls. Some you can see, some you can't. If you do need some people to connect with, though, in the flush and in online and, and to make a call with, please join the We Don't Die Listeners Facebook group. Just type in We Don't Die Listeners and um, come on in. There's almost 4,000 people there, many of whom have been brought together by grief. So we're there to support you in your life. So I really want to thank you for listening. Go to scottmilligan.net again, and um, we'll see you soon. Thank you. All right. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.